Hi, this is Jeff Gober and with my wife Kathy. This is Disney at Play and we are here at the Magic Kingdom without a mask on as are all the guests. Although what's kind of funny is they step off of the monorail. They still kind of have their mask on. Uh, but we're here to experience what the park is like without having to wear a mask in the outdoor portions. And uh, then we're also gonna see what it's like when you join queues and go on, on attractions as well. So we got a lot in store for you. Join us for this Disney and Play podcast. So we're actually going to back up to the Ticket and Transportation Center and actually start there. So you get an idea of how this looks from a transportation point of view. Also, most of the audio I'm gonna provide in post today. And I'm doing that so that uh, you don't have the effect. There was a lot of wind out there and it's, it's kind of annoying after a while. So I'm gonna to try to give you a better take on this in uh, delivering a narrative through post. Now, as you go up the ramp to the monorail station, note that even though they have decided to put uh, everyone three feet away instead of six feet away, the stickers are still at a six feet distance. As you get to the top, you notice that the cast members have a mask and they're reminding you to wear a mask. They want, it is not necessary to wear a mask while you are getting in queue to board a monorail or a transportation vehicle. However, once you step onto the transportation vehicle, you are expected to wear a mask at that point. Here's our monorail pulling into the station. It's monorail blue. And we're gonna be headed out to uh, the Magic Kingdom. Just as before, you'll see that there are the plastic partitions in many of the cabins. Not every cabin has a plastic partition. Sometimes they, they allow uh, larger parties uh, to have a cabin without those partitions. But by and large, most of those partitions are still in place. They give you a number of where to stand and which part of the cabin to sit in once you are in. So again, from a capacity point of view, by the way, did you notice that the steel and plastic uh, partition was still up dividing you from uh, where you were stepping onto the monorail and where you were queuing down below on the ramp. Uh, guests are uh, disembarking, they are masked, and we are headed into the monorail. Now, moving back into the Magic Kingdom, we're leaving uh, the Flora Portrait, and we are headed uh, right into the Magic Kingdom. You'll notice the signage still on the trash receptacles. Uh, they said that they are going to modify the trash receptacles so they're not in an open position. I found that uh, sometimes happening and sometimes not happening. More interesting, perhaps, uh, two things I noted as I headed down Main Street. The first is that um, it seems to me that there's still quite a few people who are choosing to wear masks. Perhaps they have not been vaccinated. Perhaps uh, they just feel more comfortable wearing a mask in an open environment with a lot of guests, or perhaps they forgot to take off their mask, but one way or the other, I have found throughout the day at the Magic Kingdom that about 10, about 15% seem to be still wearing a mask at any given time when you had the option of not having a mask. The second thing I noticed as I headed down Main Street, <laughs> you notice by the way, 
uh, a lot of guests sitting on the curb. It almost like there's a break coming. There isn't. But the second thing I noticed as I was heading down the street is that the park is fairly empty. There are not a lot of guests on the street. This was recorded on Saturday, the first full day, where or first day where guests were allowed to be massless in the open air outside areas of the park. Take a look. Um, uh, there are, uh, you see a family getting their photo taken and they are not required to wear a mask, of course. You'll notice that there's actually quite a queue though going uh, into the Emporium, so they are still modifying the, uh, the length uh, or the number of people going into the park. Then we're headed over to Cinderella Castle and uh, uh, it's just wonderful to see the details in the bright sunlight. It, uh, we're heading up the ramp to go into uh, Fantasyland. And as we head up, uh, just paying attention to all the beautiful details that you can see on the castle. You note that some are wearing masks, but many are not. Um, notice that as we approach the stage, the uh, performance stage in front of the castle, it's still being completed. Those uh, portions of the show that were, uh, the stage that were elevated have not been re, uh, reinserted to the stage. It's all flat at this point. It's just been freshly painted um, from the flooring that's been placed on it. Guests are taking pictures, but some are taking it with masks and some are taking it without masks. Uh, we pass by the uh, coat of arms for the Walt Disney family, which Lion is also seen in the banner that you saw previous as we were going up the ramp. And now we're heading into uh, the corridor of the castle um, with the Cinderella mosaics. Guests, again, are taking photos. This guest is not wearing um, a mask, and most are not, uh, but some are. Um, we pass by the mosaics and we're heading right into the heart of Fantasyland. Uh, notice that we're passing by the Bippity Boppity Boutique that is still closed, as is the store that attends to that experience. Um, as we move toward the carousel, we see um, that. Uh, the queue for guests standing in the carousel. Once you get into the queue, you are required to wear a mask and those guests that are standing in the queue waiting for their turn on the carousel are all wearing masks as we pass by uh, the carousel. And um, in between, uh, we are in between the carousel and Mickey's Filler Magic. Now the same thing if you listen to my previous podcast where I announced this, the same thing is occurring here. Guest cast member is greeting guests and encouraging them to wear a mask. And even though they're still outside, they have now become part of the queue for Mickey's Filler Magic. And they're expected to, to wear a mask. Let's do Peter Pan's flight. Uh, we can never do enough Peter Pan, right? And uh, it's about a 30-minute stated wait. And uh, we're off to find the end of this queue. What was interesting about this is that there was no, um, there's usually someone holding a wait time sign and often encouraging those individuals waiting uh, to mask up as they form the queue. 
But in this first portion outside the queue is we're kind of in the breezeway between Peter Pan's flight and It's a Small World. We see that some are wearing masks and others are not wearing masks as they're standing outside. The Remember that uh, in previous podcasts we've noted that they're uh, the building itself for Peter Pan's flight is um, being remodeled, so there is a huge tarp, painted tarp, imitating the uh, the uh, ride and its and the experience. Across the way, by the way, is it's a small world, and the queue for it is only 15 minutes, which probably means guests aren't are practically walking on at 10. Um, again very low uh, wait times here in the park as we go through. Now, we are moving past um, the, in, the individual who is handling guests with special needs or with VIP um, passes and, uh, and, and moving into the more interior outdoor portions of the queue. And the expectation is everybody's wearing a mask as is modeled by the cast member. All cast members have to wear a mask. Uh, during their entire time, but uh, but we and you'll notice and by the visuals I'm showing here, those plastic and steel uh, borders are still very much in play. Um, guests are being invited. The 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 tape along the queue is still six feet wide, but most guests are really not paying attention to the distance. I've noticed as I've gone through the queue, that doesn't seem to be as much an issue. We're in the interior portion of the queue with its different portraits or, or different um, landscapes of Neverland and of, uh, here the little uh, the mermaids in Mermaid Lagoon. Different images as we're passing by, the queue is moving. Actually, I want to say that it was a 30 minute stated time and we got in at about 18 minutes into the queue. So it was not an unreasonable queue um, length uh, for what uh, we were experiencing. This additional queue portion, by the way, was added after they took the restrooms that were in this portion of Fantasyland. They took those restrooms out and they built the restrooms that you see across the way for Tangled. That gave them this additional space to do this um, Act one type queue, which is just um, really has made it so much more uh, enjoyable as you prepare to go on the attraction. We're entering what is um, uh, John and Michael's bedroom, and uh, Wendy's, depending on where you're at the story. Um, you see, you see the uh, clock tower outside their window. I'm going to tell you, this is a million dollar view at this house that have this kind of view of, of the tower uh, of, uh, of the be, uh, like, uh, clock tower. Um, many of the guests are, again, if you kind of notice, they are not paying too much attention to the social distancing in line, but you are welcome to just pause from the guests in front of you and not, uh, and not uh, be impacted by that. See pixie dust being uh, sprayed um, over um, John and Michael's portion of the room. And uh, some of the elements that are very cool for this queue are working, some are not. There is 
in this portion above the blocks there's usually a set of bells that you can wave your hands and ring the bells and actually make the shadow of the by by playing with the shadows of the bell make the bells ring here is wendy's um portion of the room and uh, you'll see tink kind of coming in and out here and uh doing her thing so all of that is um yeah there you go see tinkerbell and then she pool and then she's inside the uh, the dresser and it lights up it's a very cool effect as you're coming through the last hallway also has some some pixie dust that kind of coats you supposedly getting re you ready to fly as you go into neverland and then we come back into the very final portion uh, length of the queue you'll see the plastic portions that are separating us from other portions of the queue this has traditionally been a switchback queue and so it's a very um it's been a very ordinary queue um for many many years it wasn't until they added this act one portion with the removal of the restrooms that made it so much more dynamic you'll notice that there is a station here my wife's taking advantage of of getting her hands sanitized as she gets ready to board the attraction and then we're ready now to uh, board a pirate ship and head to Neverland. It's been my good fortune to experience all of the Peter Pan flights in all of the Disney parks, all of the Magic Kingdom style parks have Peter Pan's flight with the exception of Hong Kong Disneyland. Both Paris and Shanghai have two row ships, galleons, that you can board, which really helps uh, move down the, um, the long waits that are often associated with this attraction. I'm sure they would do the same thing in this ride if they were able to accommodate the track, but the track situation I don't think will ever accommodate a two-row galleon. The way it's been designed, you'd have to almost gut the whole thing out, which, by the way, seems to be what Disney Tokyo Disneyland is doing as they are um, they are creating a new Disney Springs part of their Tokyo Disney Sea which has an entire Neverland component which seems to be creating a new Peter Pan's flight their current one is in Fantasyland and is very comparable to this one here we're uh, flying over a moonlit London and boy, it, you know, it just captures the imagination. This is such a well done scene with this black lighting of London at night. You have uh, the little st streetcars that seemingly are moving along the, the streets of Neverland. We pass by the moon, which never looks really good, um, but does have the silhouette of Peter Pan. Wendy, Michael, and John, and we head into the Neverland portion, which is pro a problematic, um, from probably the most problematic of all of them. The, the little uh, Captain Hook's pirate ship off the side actually works really well, but the the scale has always been really weird. They have these big, huge paper mache flowers, which just takes everything out of proportion yet fills the space for them we pass the mermaids that's fine but then we head toward the indian village and of course um, those images really are not in keeping um, with native american um, 
stories and, and 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 that's the problem with both the film and with the attraction itself that could be removed in the attraction much harder in the film we had pascal rock love the water effect on the rock we head toward the pirate ship this has always been so cleverly done it's one big pirate ship but with the sails it looks like two different scenes in one scene you see the children all tied up and you see captain hook and peter pan fighting we pass the crocodile and then come to the other side of the ship where we see that the ship has been freed and peter pan is setting to go home it seemed to me that there was a lot of um of uh um, fiber optic done with this. Maybe I'm mistaking that with the Disneyland portion. We're passing Captain Hook and Smee fleeing the crocodile and then past the final mural which takes us um, home on a golden galleon um, toward London. It's, it is a lovely attraction. Who doesn't love the idea of sailing over Neverland? Still, this could use a lot more TLC the one at Disneyland that was redone was so, so well done and has so many beautiful animated elements in it that makes it feel much more like the film. And uh, I think that's a, that's a missed opportunity, for lack of a better term. Now we're back off the attraction, and guess what? We're able to uh, take our masks off as we exit, which is just the best part of this whole experience. We find ourselves in Frontierland now, and um, we're taking some time to enjoy a little, uh, a little pineapple Dole Whip, um, and just watching the setting sun here in Frontierland. It is a beautiful evening. Again, you have to note the crowds; they're they're pretty low for a May time of year. This is not what you would expect, and one of the things that really makes uh, the the numbers go up this time of year is the convention business. This is, by the way, is Big Al's, which had just reopened, although it's currently in the state of closing for the day. But Big Al's has been closed since um, park opening, and uh, you could see that uh, it has reopened with its coonskin hats uh, for sale. Across the way is the Country Bear Jamboree, where guests waiting to go into the attraction will be in the lobby with masks on. Now, you don't see that through here because the guests have just departed into the theater. But, uh, but that is part of the, uh, the total experience here. And then um, you see the shops which are still emphasizing entrance and exit points into the stores. So they're, they're really kind of still minding the numbers of people in the stores and, of course, expecting you to wear a mask when you are there as well. We've uh, finished our Pineapple Dole Whip, and we are now heading through Frontierland and thought we would do Big Thunder Mountain. It's been a few, few months, and I have to say the last time I did Big Thunder Mountain, it was midday, and it was hot with the plastic and steel... Uh, uh, dividers and no fans really in that open air uh, area it just was really painful here is Pico's Bills as we pass by it note that there's no greeter in front of the restaurant to keep you from going in I thought that was very surprising as with the mobile ordering you kind of expect that now mind you if you don't do mobile ordering most every one of these major counter service restaurants will keep a stand open to actually take your menu order especially if you're looking to do some kind of specialized 
menu option that isn't available. Here at uh, Splash Mountain, you see guests are wearing their mask, although you'll also hear an audio uh, reminder. Uh, apparently two guests at, who were at one point uh, choosing to take their masks off, you will hear that reminder. But um, the guests are going through, um, falling through uh, Chickapin Falls on their way to the Laughing Place and to a zippity doodah. These are the last um, remaining months of Splash Mountain before it is overhauled. I would say probably it could conceivably go down in January of next year. So that would not surprise me. On the other side is Tom Sawyer's Island as we approach. Um, Big Thunder Mountain, It's uh, the rafts are done for the day, very tranquil looking out on the river, passing, um, passing by the rafts, and uh, we're just heading over the trail here and uh, getting to the entrance of, uh, of Big Thunder Mountain. I should note the Frontierland Railroad Station, again, been empty for several years now because that is not currently operating. Uh, very few people are getting in line right now. This is an, this is stating a 30-minute queue, but by the time we will have gotten on board, it will have been um, about 15 minutes total. So we're moving the exterior portion of the queue before we enter the building. The expectation once you pass the, the entrance there was that you should be wearing a mask. Uh, we see the uh, lots of attention detail. Here's one of my favorites, Clark. Dale Dry Goods. It's an homage to uh, the uh, Apple Dumpling Gang, one favorite uh, Disney film from the 1970s. Cast member passes by. The queue is very, there's nobody in the queue at this point. It uh, moves very quickly into the building. We get a beautiful glimpse of Splash Mountain. And then we come into the whole area of the building with, again, the steel and plexiglass dividers, which uh, during this time of day was not a problem in the least. It feels narrow, but at least it was a very cool evening. And in fact, actually got a little chilly from my wife um, later on. You can kind of get a sense of the, the total queue, uh, some of the theming there as we're passing through, um, turning around. I love to show um, a couple of pieces that uh, you find here as you go through. I, there's one piece here that shows uh, Don Knotts and Tim Conway as again the gangsters for wanted sign, uh, wanted uh, sign uh, it, again from Apple Dumpling Gang. Um, BT Bullion who is the nemesis and owner of the Big Thunder Mountain Railroad. Uh, i.e. Tony Baxter, who originated as an Imagineer. Again, we're just going back and forth through a lot of switchbacks here. Um, but uh, we capture some, some nice views of the Frontierland train station and of Big Thunder as we are passing by. And again, lots of little uh, details. Guests are moving quite quickly and fluidly through the queue. There's only one side of the train station that's operating, so this is pretty fast movement considering there's only one side working and not both sides. There are a number of interactive elements that were added to what is scene one, this, this queuing portion. You could dial um, the crank 
and then push down and, and blast off in the mountains some really very cool elements. Um, those have been removed during this time of COVID, so they're not uh, available to enjoy. Um, you still can enjoy these beautiful views of Big Thunder uh, while you're waiting there uh, to go through the attraction. Other elements have also been taken out uh, interactive-wise. Um, but there's still a lot of theming in the queue and a lot of uh, little little details to enjoy as you're passing by. One of those uh, little details is the bird cages, the idea of a canary in the coal mine. If you look closely at this bird cage that I have on my pod, uh, my YouTube video, you'll see that it says Rosita, which is an uh, alludes to uh, Rosita from the Enchanted Tiki Room. Where's Rosita? Um, you are looking at a number of mining props that have been put throughout the queue as well as uh, other reminiscent details. You see the gas flowing through the queue. And I should also mention at this point that there is a cast member who is refilling these little uh, stations where you are getting your hands sanitized. Uh, so that is a constant process that continues on throughout the day. And from this point, we had a chance to head down the ramp into the actual loading area of the, uh, the trains. And notice that only one queue is operating currently, even though there's a plastic divider providing for both. That's because only one uh, side of the train station is currently um, being operated at this time. Um, so it's amazing how quickly this queue has moved. I clipped out a minute or two here and there, but or a second or two here and there, but but honestly, you are actually going through the queue in just about real time. Uh, it really did not take us very long to go through this uh, queuing experience. You'll see the plastic dividers between rows of guests. All rows are being boarded in the trains right now, and um, and that we are waiting for the train to appear. Cast member is asking us whether we'd like to be in the front or back because we are the next to, the next row to be boarded. Um, we just went ahead and took the back, which means uh, was probably a wrong choice on my part because if I wanted to film Big Thunder Mountain, the last thing you want to do is sit in the last row of the train because that's one, that's the row that's going to whip you the most. Um, of course, the front row isn't that great because you kind of it's hard to see. Uh, past the uh, uh, the smokestack and, and the front of the train. So, uh, anyway, we had a great experience on Big Thunder Mountain, and as you can see in our YouTube video, you can see the trains passing through as the sun is setting and and the mountain is being lit up, and it's just a great great ride as always. Big Thunder Mountain is a wonderful place, uh, one of, one of the great attractions and thrill rides of all of Walt Disney World. Um, as well as Magic Kingdom. You'll see that there's uh, this uh, geyser in the middle that is still very active, actually a couple of geysers that are operating. And then you turn toward the beautiful rivers of America. It's dusk, you see, you see the fort. Everything is so tranquil and, and so peaceful as, uh, as the day comes to a conclusion. From here, we're moving from Frontierland, and we're going to head on over to Adventureland. Um, and as we go through it, we're not going to go take you through the entire queue for Pirates of the Caribbean and show that. We're just going to show you a couple of elements. 
Know though that as I have mentioned in my previous podcast, this is a good time to join and check out our Wayfinder Society. One of the interactive apps that we have, this is a place where you get to explore Disney in a way that you can't otherwise in apps and videos and and interactivity that uh, we have created uniquely for the Wayfinder Society. And so join up to see it. Big part of it is Pirates of the Caribbean across the world. We've done a major section on pirates. We have done this dissection on the queue. Let us show you a couple of things. We're going to show you. We're going to actually start from the exit point into the gift shop of this attraction. Take a look. All of the guests are still wearing masks as they did while riding Pirates of the Caribbean. Um, even though the store is kind of an outdoor store, there's a patio in the middle of it and so forth, uh, guests are assuming that the same uh, behavior expected at an indoor air-conditioned retail space is expected here. And so for their, therefore, you see that all the guests are wearing masks uh, during this portion. But I also want to turn the corner over here and take you to the entrance or to the, uh, to the queue, which happens inside the... Uh, the exterior portion of uh, the ride. And here we are, we're gonna turn back into Pirates of the Caribbean. It's now the closed hour, but we're gonna go through a side area so you can see how much plexiglass and, and steel dividers have been put through this open interior courtyard. Again, the expectation is you're going to um, wear your mask through the entire queuing portion but once you're outside as we are right now you are free to to go without a mask although some guests are still choosing to do so or just don't simply don't uh, think to take it off after they've um, disembarked from the attraction so we're heading over I just wanted to show you um, earlier we've gotten a dull whip and I just wanted to stop for a minute over here at Aloha Isle one of the funny things for me is, again, it's an exterior portion over here. There's no interior to it, so theoretically you don't have to wear the mask, but just about everybody was wearing a mask as they were in line to pick up their Dole Whip. They, there just was this feeling that you had to wear your mask, and so the, there was a greeter there, not creating that expectation, but it was still there. I'd hope to do an interior restaurant as portion of this experience today but there was no availability we were lucky to get magic kingdom passes for this afternoon but i did want you to see the exterior portion of the skipper canteen see how the seats are still very much separated and by the way over here i had never seen this little image of um orange bird on the side of uh of the uh location uh sunshine tree terrace where you're able to to get um, orange juice style products, uh, sherbets and floats and so forth. And they just had this little orange bird painted on the side of the building. Had never seen that before. You see, and I, I'm telling you, I'm there all the time. And so I'm always surprised when suddenly I'm walking in and I see something I haven't seen before. Well, at this point we are heading out of Adventureland. It is the end of the day and guests are all heading out of the park. We're passing by the Club 33 location uh, with its beautiful windows and now we're going past the Adventureland sign and on into the central plaza of the area. Somebody had mentioned 
that. Oh, and you can see oh, in the Crystal Palace, you can get a sense that um, tables are still very much separated in the Crystal Palace restaurant, uh, which is currently open. Now, they're not doing buffet, but it is open. And then the adventure, like somebody said that that for, for political sake or whatever, they've taken out the skulls at the entrance to Adventureland, but they were very much there. We're moving into... We're moving into the central plaza area of the park. We see the castle in its blues and pinks at night, and it's just beautiful. I am moved by the number of guests who are all just standing around the central plaza. They want to take it in. They, I feel they need some finality to their day. You know, usually it's a nighttime parade or it's the fireworks with Tinkerbell. I think they're looking for something to create finality to their day. They're all gathered there at Central Plaza. We will turn down uh, Main Street and head out of the park. And that will bring us to the end of our podcast. We're so glad that you took the time to join us uh, for this experience. Uh, we are glad that we had an opportunity to be here on the first day where masks were not required outside and it just felt great. I, I didn't need to go on an attraction. I just needed to enjoy being here. But I wanted you to kind of see how it all flows and what it looks like. Be sure again to check out our Wayfinder Society as we do have some wonderful interactive maps and other kinds of <laughs> tools for you to enjoy. Also, be sure to subscribe to our Disney at Work and Disney at Play websites where you can get notification of posts as they come out and of podcasts and videos. And finally, make sure that you check out our YouTube video. If you're watching this, you're probably on the J. Jeff Cobra channel where this video is being shown. If you're listening to the podcast, well, this is your chance. Go subscribe so you can see this play out entirely in video. It's J. Jeff Cobra. Finally, Thank you for joining us, being a part. As always, remember, wherever you are, follow the compass of your heart. Have a great day. We'll see you real soon.